Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Splash Play Podcast. We do sports betting. We do fantasy football. We do DFS. Tonight, America is watching with bated breath as two giants clash to determine the future of our country. It is, of course, the Giants versus the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. But today, we're going to talk about the entire slate. Welcome to Splash Play. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play, one that I feel completely naked with because I don't have my microphone in front of me. What do I do with my hands, Pete? We'll find out. But I'm Chris Spax, joined as usual by my co-host, Peter Overzet, who you saw up top. And today we're joined by a man who probably needs no introduction. If you follow Twitter, any fantasy football content on there, you've probably seen him pop up. His AMA is thriving. He's Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter. He's Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, of course, a part of Action Network. How are you doing, Matthew? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Are you a Matt or a Matthew? Because I feel like you're Matt in the Twitter handle, but Matthew in some of the writing. So I don't know. I, I feel like Matthew's no, and Matt. Sometimes Matt, like Matt works. Before. Matt works. And by the way, I should say the intro music, it's maybe some of the favorite intro music I've ever heard, which isn't a surprise uh, given that Pete is associated with this podcast, but <laughs> just love the music. It's royalty free. That's what matters for us. <laughs> yes. What else matters, of course, hitting that like button and subscribing. We have great guests every Thursday uh, to preview the, the upcoming slate for our ride or die picks, and they'll give their picks as well. So it's an important part of our process, and we appreciate your guys' support to help keep the lights on by hitting the like button and subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give the podcast five stars and a review as well, because that keeps us afloat on there amidst all the many, many fantasy football podcasts, some of which hosted by Matthew over there as well. Uh, fantasy Lab's doing a great job, but Pete, uh, I'll let you throw the intro here because normally we talk a little Thursday night football, but um, I feel like we should just get right into the bits because we don't want to waste Matthew's time now that my mic has cost us so much energy to start. I know. Yeah, I know. We got we to gotta take advantage of having Matthew here. I do just have to ask, Matt, I feel like this is something that you would keep track of. So you have been doing these AMAs. I My bet is you're sick enough to know how many questions you've answered, that you have some spreadsheet with a running tally of this. No, that's that's not plus EV, but I, <laughs> I am sick enough to know like vaguely how many AMAs I've done. Like I yeah. think it's uh, over 60. I think it's maybe around <laughs> 65 or 70 at this point. So we I, have, some- I have it in some like uh, some piece of paper somewhere the first day I did an AMA. I think it, would- it was maybe like August 8th or something like that. I don't know. And what would you say? I want to do some back of the napkin math here. You do about maybe 15, 20 questions in AMA. Ooh, more than that. Okay. I'd say uh, 30 minutes for each AMA. I'm, I'd say I do maybe at least a question and a half per minute, probably more than that. Cause some of them are just like easy sit starts where it's just, you know, sort of like just shooting from the hip. So like I'd say maybe one and a half to two questions per minute, 30 minutes per AMA. So we'll let's conservatively put you at 45 questions answered per AMA. If at 65 AMAs, you have answered almost, you're coming up on your 3000th question answered on Twitter. You are disgusting, Matt. I, I gotta say that doesn't actually sound like that high of a number. <laughs> I, I mean, and look at like, Pete off the math skills right away here. Not a no, no math quiz, but putting it into Google. I did not do that myself. <laughs> Who's the most popular guy that you're asked about on there? Because I feel like 
for me, tight ends have been a popular question that I'm getting from people. But at that volume, I feel like there must be one common unifying thread. Uh, it, it, it's a real week by week thing. Uh, and so last week, there were a lot of Trey Burton questions, uh, which yeah, I think is, is pretty standard. Uh, there have been, especially like if it's a, like a Thursday night, uh, lots of questions on the guys who will be playing on Thursday night football because people want to know, should I start this guy or should I go with someone else who's playing on Sunday? And then, of course, it, it pains me. I always get, I mean, two guys who are popping up a decent amount, like, what do I do with Juju? And, uh, hey, Cam Akers, can I drop him? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, I, yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, so I get a lot of questions about those guys. I'm actually curious because you you're now doing lots of sports betting stuff. And I feel like, you know, there's been the conversations, oh, sports betting is getting legalized. You know, it's going to be this big trend. Is the all the DFS guys going to flood over? Where do you feel like even your audience, which is probably a good mismatch, uh, uh, mishmash of both, do you think that it's going more to the betting side or are you still just getting mostly fantasy questions? Fantasy questions. Anytime I uh, put out anything that has to do with fantasy and a little bit of prop betting, people will be interested. But anytime I say something that has to do with betting, like crickets, like no one cares. That, that, that's not why they follow me. So, but so you think it's more your audience specifically and not like the general trend of, of people moving to sports betting? Yeah, I think it, it's my audience uh, because let's just—I'll just admit, like I, I'm horrible at sports betting. Uh, even even the sports where I should be, you're competent, good at props. I'm good, good at props, props. but yeah. you know, in terms of sides or totals or something like that, like I I know I'm not good. Like at best, I'm break even. Uh, and so I would say maybe my audience is just smart enough to know that uh, they should just not pay attention to me at all. <laughs> I say anything about uh, sports betting. And then also part of it is, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there who are just still really interested in fantasy sports and not quite as interested in sports betting yet. You know, I, I think it really is a sort of state by state thing where people are kind of maybe a little more uh, like wholesome, moral, legalistic, whatever it is, <laughs> where it's just like, if it's not legal in their state, they haven't really thought about it as much. Uh, and so as it starts to spread across the country, I think more and more people will get into sports betting. But uh, yeah, a lot of the people who follow me, they're in it just for fantasy. They don't they don't care what I have to say about sports betting, which honestly, it's, it's probably for the best. Yeah, we always talk about it on here. I mean, Pete's pointed it out many times for our ride or die picks where it's basically a, a coin flip deliberately by the, you know, the casinos and the sports books out there designed to get action on both sides. So I think, you know, owning that and representing that honestly, I think is true. And, and just, you know, fantasy too, I think is one of few things we talk, we joke about the game of skill thing, but there is at least an edge there theoretically, even if there isn't quite as much one for sports betting. And I think ultimately to kind of really fully convert fantasy people over, we need those mixed fantasy sports betting games, right? Like yes. my guess is you would eat up a prop betting contest that had like a, a GPP prize pool that a bunch of people could enter. Yeah, that, that would be so much fun. Uh, I would I would love to do something like that. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Uh, things that are a little more peer-to-peer within the, the sports betting space, uh, I think that would be good. People like competing against other people. Uh, and I think, you know, doing that is something that I could really get the juices flowing versus just like, I'm putting in some money to bet on some number on some website, you know, like that's not something that really gets the competitive juices flowing. 
That makes sure. sense. And I guess on that note, let's transition to the segment we wanted to have you hit on, Matt, before we get into the actual picks for this week, for week seven, of course, in the NFL. And guys, if you're watching, hit that like button, subscribe on YouTube. And again, the five stars and review on Apple Podcasts help us out a bunch. But this has been a big debate in the streets, Matt, and I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've talked about it in the action in the Fantasy Labs offices. But uh, people debating the newsworthiness of bets out there and what bets should be reported on, which ones shouldn't be, which ones are trying to glamorize negative EV approaches. And uh, we have a segment I want to do. But, Matt, I'll give you the floor. If you want to talk about that, obviously you don't want to you know, speak on anything that peers might feel uncomfortable with. But uh, how do you feel about the situation, I guess? Because it is one in the industry that's being talked about quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I honestly have no opinion on it. Uh, I mean, Dar- I mean, I'll just say, like, I mean, Ravel's like the guy who is mm-hmm. putting out a lot of content on this, and then there are some, you know, people in other places who are who are doing it as well. Uh, you know, it's. I think something where a lot of it. I don't want to say it's clickbaity, but you know, Ravel has even said, "I put out content like this because people like they want it." You know, like, and Ravel is one of the, I think, best people, not just in this industry, but in almost any industry at evaluating what it is that people actually want, like what it is that they interact with on Twitter. Uh, And so he puts out content like this because people seem drawn to it, you know, just based on the Twitter, the Twitter interactions that he gets. And so you know, like, I think it's important to have sort of like this balance of this is a story that is maybe entertaining, uh, sort of like interesting in terms of like, this is something that a human out there is doing, but not like, hey, uh, this is something that you should actually be doing. I, I think it is important to to draw a, a distinction there. And I would hope that uh, people who are reading these pieces would know that or reading tweets, whatever it is, would know that uh, this is more of like a human interest thing instead of like, uh, hey, this is what's happening. And that means that you should be betting X, Y, and Z. And I also feel like sports betting gets the short end of the stick on this thing. Like think of all the ads DraftKings and FanDuel ran when those were like, like, my million dollar checks. Like no one was like, they are, you know, painting unrealistic expectations for future DFS players, but the sports betting does it and everyone piles up. But some people, some people did say that back in the day and that's kind of gone to the wayside. And the thing is, I think it's important to look at sports betting as entertainment. And it's also, I'd say the same with DFS, the same with, you know, season long fantasy like very few people can uh get down enough money and also perform at a high enough level to be able to do this professionally and so that's like your one percent of one percent most people it's just like this is for fun uh and so as long as you have it framed within that context uh i think it's fine like i think it's fine to know that like some donkey bet like a hundred thousand dollars on the giants money line or whatever you know like i think it's fine to know stuff like that to me like the next evolution is like i want more like profile pieces on it you know it's like yeah the numbers are interesting but i want to know the mattress max like i want to know who is this sicko that just decided to lay all this stuff on the money line here like that's what i want to know yeah, when you're making I, more Vegas Daves. That's the downside of that. All. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. So there's there's give and take. But we do want to get one little thing here. Uh, now we've talked about the serious part. So here's a silly part. We wanted to talk about some historical bets from fictional movies and TV shows. And just be curious here if action or if you, it doesn't have to be specifically about action, but would the industry benefit from reporting on these? And, you know, I'll chime in with the first one. Pete, if you want to take the second one, we'll do a little switchies here. But 
The first one, the year is 1993. The Cubs have recently signed the youngest player in MLB history, Henry Rowengardner, after a team scout saw opportunity in a child who had just recovered from a debilitating arm injury. He comes into the game in relief with live betting, putting him at a plus 12,000 to pick up the save. An unknown better, likely Rowan Gardner's doctor after his unethical surgery causes unexpected superpower, wins $120,000 on the bet. Matt, at first blush, does this seem like a news story worth covering for you about young Henry Rowan Gardner, the rookie of the year, some could say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one, because it's uh, unlikely just in terms of like a, a kid pitching uh, and then a kid being able to throw that fast. And then you also have sort of like the insider angle of like, hey, you have this doctor who's actually betting on it. Uh, yeah, that seems like a story on multiple levels. Pete, do you support this take here? Do you want to hear about the exploits of this this attenuating uh, prospect who's I think 13 or 14 when he hits the majors? Well, to me, it's all about the numbers and a plus 12,000 bet. I mean, that's really making it move. I immediately want to know what the limits were at this book, how much you were able to get down at plus 12,000, but I'm incredibly intrigued. That's how you get kids hooked early. Give them plus 12,000 odds on somebody who looks like them. Uh, the next one here, Pete, do you want to take this one or do you want me sure, to? Sure. We, uh, we got Jason Street here, the star quarterback of the Dillon Panthers. He sustained a career-ending spinal injury at the start of his team's new season. Little-used backup quarterback Matthew Saracen comes into the next game as a 17-point underdog. After several Hail Marys, Dillon picks up the shocking straight-up win as the local Texas bookmaker is forced to pay out $37,000 to Panthers booster Buddy Garrity. Matthew, are you guys covering this story? No, I mean, that's just good old-fashioned Texas football. <laughs> that doesn't need to be covered at all. <laughs> Look at that. So simple, Spags. But that's how you make a heartthrob. And Matthew Saracen, I think we can all agree, the real heartthrob of that show, just ahead of Landry and as many murders that he committed in the name of love. Uh, Friday Night Lights, of course. I'm going to give you guys all the references and spell it out for anybody out there who hasn't watched they, Friday Night They can't Lights. all be Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know? <laughs> of course not. How yeah. could we? Last one here that we wanted to get your take on. And here's a name, of course, popular in betting, Michael Jordan. He helms a team of seemingly overmatched cartoon characters in an impossible situation against the universe's finest basketball players, coined the Monstars. Despite a 110-point spread favoring the invaders, a better simply known as not Michael Jordan wins $12 million while Vegas Dave loses countless units on his lock of the century. Matt, lots of angles here to cover, but do you think it's worth it for action? Uh, I mean, definitely. This is like the story of the universe uh, that, you know, you are playing this sort of intergalactic matchup. Uh, and uh, of course, Vegas Dave is involved. So it's almost mandatory uh, to cover it. And, and Vegas Dave, uh, the downfall, uh, that's even you know bigger story. And then anything to do with Michael Jordan uh, is, is automatic. So yeah, love it. That is the eye of Editor-in-Chief right there. Of course, make sure to follow Matt at Matt the, Matt F. the Oracle. And uh, yeah, I think Michael Jordan winning a lot of money on that. And I think in this case, when you're betting on Earth's hopes, I think you could go a little Pete Rose in that one, right, Pete? Oh, definitely. And also it got my wheels turning of thinking like, I. how many times do you think Vegas Dave has had his PR rep like reach out to a Hollywood studio or something to try to get him placement in one of these movies? I feel like Vegas Dave would pay a million dollars to have a cameo in Space Jam too. Yeah, Holly Saunders wouldn't have him if he didn't try. That's <laughs> how much we know. Um, ride or die play is coming up next, but we got to hit the troll equity play of the week. Matt, you know a lot of things about this, about this whole fantasy industry of ours. And the one thing that we always know is when it seems like things are set up perfectly, like Alex Madison, let's say, uh, there's going to be bound to be a situation that ends up going wrong for a lot of people out there. So if you had to pick one play this week, Matt, who would it be to be your troll play slash your troll equity play of the week? Okay, so I think Devontae Adams is going to have pretty high ownership 
uh, going against uh, the Houston Texans. Um, but uh, MVS, I mean, I, I don't want to like die on this hill, uh, but I could see MVS kind of having a, a big game here. Uh, because he's actually getting targeted a decent amount. He's getting targeted down the field, uh, and he's going to have a really good matchup uh, against uh, the other remaining cornerbacks who aren't Bradley Roby, because uh, Roby is going to be on Adams for most of the game. And it's not as if like Roby is a great cornerback, but it just means that uh, MVS is going to have like a great matchup against Vernon Hargraves the third whenever he's on the outside. So I could see a situation where uh, Adams really disappoints and MVS has sort of like 80 yards and two touchdowns and people are like, where did this come from? Yeah, the numbers don't lie segment, a little bit of a teaser that Matt inadvertently threw there, but uh, he is the leader in deep targets in the league, and MVS is, uh, 2.8 per game of 20-plus yard targets. And uh, Pete, I'll throw it to you. Who would be your troll play this week before we get into the rider dies? Yeah, so we have Deontay Johnson coming back this week. He's 4,200 on DraftKings. People are going to be pretty excited about him at that price. Everyone's obviously excited about Chase Claypool breaking out all over the place. Just looks like the second coming of Odell Beckham in 2014 right now. So that means the troll equity play of the week, as Friedman's shaking his head after everyone wrote him off, Juju Smith-Schuster goes for 100 yards and a touchdown this week. The ultimate troll play by Juju. That's great. I, I love that. It, I mean, it, you're getting my heart, you know, like pumping and uh, <laughs> getting ready to be broken again. But this, uh, I love that idea. <laughs> Juju's uh, air yards per target this year, or a dot if you prefer that, uh, five flat. He is not, <laughs> so he's got to get a lot of those to add up real fast. Do you know who would kill for that a dot? Zach Ertz. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't. He doesn't even want to be out there. I don't think he's happy to collect that paycheck, start over next year. Um, and for me, I guess the troll play of the week would be Michael Thomas. I think coming back in, Alvin Kamara expected to be pretty highly owned. I think, you know, always a concern for Kamara that Murray could steal some looks. But Thomas, we really haven't seen him out there yet. And I think to me, you know, you punch a teammate, you get back in there. Got to be a little fire in his belly, one would think. The, <laughs> so the, Michael Thomas. The ultimate troll play is he scores on a nine route after having his nickname be Slant Boy. I think that's what he has to do. <laughs> Slant Boy just sounds very derogatory. I don't know if I support that one. Yeah, yeah like, I, it's, not, you, it's not great. That's not a great nickname. Yeah. the I couldn't ever even tell if that was actually real or if that was just a, a, a rumor that circulated, but enough people have said it that it sounds like someone did say that to him. Hmm. So oh, there you go. One of those things we'll never know, but I'm sure maybe some point, some tell-all autobiography or podcast <laughs> interview in 10 years, then we'll all come out in the wash. It's time, guys, for the Ride or Die picks. Of course, we give you guys one bet, one fantasy play, really anything that's on the table here. We'll give you in each game uh, for the Sunday slate, which worth pointing out, some games moving around here. The Sunday night game has been changed. It's now the Seattle game. Uh, the Raiders game, because of some COVID risk, was a Sunday night game. Now it is being played during the regular slates. And I think at least DraftKings, I know, is uh, counting all the games in the slate. Pete, FanDuel is too, right? I, yeah. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, they, they both now come out. So we are going to get uh, an anomaly here, a Sunday night hammer that is a part of the main slate. Uh, Friedman, I'm I'm jacked up about this. Uh, how many years has it it's been? Like four years or something like It's been a long time since we've had the Sunday night hammer as part of the main slate. So uh, that's, yeah, something that's pretty exciting. They yeah, used to be part of Fantasy Draft. I think that was actually part of their hook because I remember we had to do ads for Osmo for them now. I forget who monkey knife fight acquired them. Somebody acquired them, but yeah, they had the Sunday night hammer there with their pricing. That was just two X DraftKings pricing, which is one of the funniest algorithms around. 
And that uh, used I, to be like when when uh, Drew Dinkmeyer won the Millie, when Al Smizzle won the Millie. Like they yeah. had actually one of those might have been a Monday Night Hammer. But like still to get to build up to an island game finish for a sweat is just so fun. Yeah, or tilting depending upon your worldviews. But either way, let's get into the games here. Got a game between Cleveland and Cincinnati here. Another battle of Ohio after we just had one a couple weeks ago. Cleveland getting 27 implied points. Cincinnati getting 23.5 implied points. Over under 50.5 in this game. And Pete, I will let you go first here so you could give Matthew a read on how uh, how the whole situation works in Ryder Dies after your elaborate rule changes. Yeah, so Spags is still salty because I wanted to scale these picks based on how bold you're being because there's a dynamic now, Friedman, where someone did this perfect analogy in that it's I'm shoot, we're playing horse and I'm shooting half-court shots and Spags is just beating me with these little bunny layups. So the bunny layups, the things with a 50% hit rate generally, spread picks, over-unders, those are worth one point. Okay. If you want to get a little bit more bold, a guy hitting like a, like a 30 to 35% chance outcome, say a guy scoring over 20 DraftKings points, that's worth three points. And if you want to shoot the half court Hail Mary shot, that's worth 10 points. This is a guy being in the winning Millie maker lineup or just going like 10 X on his projection, something that's like a sub five percentile chance of happening. I like that. And uh, I th- I think we know which way I'm going to go on this. I mean, I, I'm nothing if, if not the contrarian amongst contrarians. There we go. Yeah, they, so I love uh, the, yeah. the guests don't. The yeah, no, I was just going to say the guests, I love it because they YOLO because they know they're just one and done. <laughs> like they're out of here. I have to sit here and look at my record for the rest of the year. It's worth pointing out. Yeah, uh, Matt, the first two weeks of the show, like, we put guests in a little bit later after we started the season. We've had Ian Harditz on. We've had Rich Rebar, two really sharp guys. And uh, Pete actually beat uh, beat Rich last week, sh- I guess shockingly, and I've beaten both of them. So you're really going up against the the Boulder and Indiana Jones in this one, Matt. But uh, but you can take actually, you know what? You should take the first bet because Pete set the table enough. I think you know where you're going to go. And honestly, I think I get the vibes you're going to womp us this week. So go ahead, Matt. Well, I I mean I wouldn't say it's a competition, or at least it's it's not going to be a competition. But uh, <laughs> Kareem Hunt uh, in this game, I think he's going to be the number one overall uh, scorer in DraftKings points. For the entire slate, uh, so Ooh, just go ahead and, and yeah, that's go ahead and, and give me the the ten points. Uh, I think it's a situation where uh, he's gotten he's gotten enough usage to be confident that he will be used in optimal situations, uh, but uh, we haven't really seen him in those optimal situations yet. But now he's got a good matchup. Obviously, no Nick Chubb. Uh, everything is just sort of set up to where we saw what they did in week two. Uh, in the same matchup where uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for like 300 yards or something like that and three or four touchdowns. I just, I think Hunt has a massive potential to smash in this game. So uh, I'm taking Hunt. And it's not as if like it's really all that out of the realm of possibilities with what I'm projecting anyway. So I feel like I'm kind of cheating a little bit by saying like, Oh, he's going to be number one. Cause like, it's not like he's projected number one for me, but it's pretty close to it. So hunt number one running back on the slate. going to be I very like popular. It. Definitely reeks of some Derrick Henry where it's just a good matchup and one that people will be there, but could definitely smash. He, what about you in this game? Yeah, I'm going to keep riding T. Higgins here. I thought it was really encouraging that even though A.J. Green uh, led the team in air yards, had kind of a bounce back game, that T. Higgins still cleared 100 yards. He hit that DraftKings bonus. So I will say T. Higgins clears 20 DraftKings points this week, which I don't believe he did last week. I think he was just short of that. Uh, But he sails over that uh, this week against the Browns. 
So I'm going to pick a spite pick. And, and Pete, I'm curious what your thoughts on what points this would be worth. But how about Rashard Higgins gets a touchdown and T. Higgins does not? So I'm taking the the other Higgins. If if you're saying uh, so for for you to get this right, both Higgins doesn't, my Higgins doesn't score, and your Higgins does. That's a ten point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll take that then. I want a battle of the Higginses, and if Bob Bob Huggins wants to get into anybody who's got a similar name, they can all come on board. Next Look game, at up, Spags, you're getting reckless, man. Old Spags <laughs> wouldn't make plays like this. Well, the thing is, Pete, I'm now four one and one, so I have the luxury of having playing a with great house day. money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, exactly. I'm playing with the house's money, so it's like Michael Jordan after he beat the Monsters and then <laughs> lost it all back at the casino immediately after. It's all positive at that point. Uh, next game up, we got Carolina getting 21.8 implied points in a game with a 51 point over under. On the other side, we have New Orleans with the aforementioned returning Michael Thomas getting 29.3 implied points. And uh, Pete, I'll let you go first on this one. All right, I'm now inspired. I'm going to go for. Uh taking Friedman's angle here of the top overall point score on the slate. And everyone's all down on Mike Davis because he had, you know, slightly, you know, lower scoring, lower usage uh, game last week. But again, I don't know if Curtis Samuel is going to be active again this week. It's like Trenton Cannon behind him. Uh, he's going to get the CMC level workload in this dome game against a division rival. I will say Mike Davis, highest scoring player on the slate. Cool. All right. Bold. Matt, how about you? Okay, so I feel like I'm I'm taking a long three pointer here. I know it's not like reaching the level of a ten pointer, but uh, maybe more than a, a three pointer. But um, I, I'm seeing the situation of a spread of seven and a half, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater is actually fifteen and two against this spread as a road underdog. Uh, and so I'm not going to take the spread. I'm going to amplify that to the money line and say that we see the Carolina Panthers on the road in the Superdome win outright. And uh, I believe right now you can get that around plus 300 uh, on the money line. Uh, and so I, I think that's, you know, I think that's respectable. That's like, a, it's that, you know, not super yeah. ballsy, but ballsy enough. I think that's a good three-pointer. I agree. Yeah. I think that's yeah. like a that's a Trey Young aspirational three-pointer where he wants <laughs> to be Steph Curry. <laughs> it's quite there. I'll support that. Um, I think for me in this one, I'm going to say, you know, I'll just put it on paper that Michael Thomas outscores Alvin Kamara. I think that's the, the play that I'll make this week. Um, been a tough secondary for Carolina, so I actually don't feel great now that I'm looking at the numbers. But, uh, Pete, what do you deem that one to be? This is classic Spags. He, you know, he tries to sandbag his own pick. Oh, maybe it isn't as good. Will you give me three points for it? I, I know your tricks so much. Um, they're going to project similarly if if Michael Thomas is a go. So that's a that's a one pointer. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play in this game. I mean, I'm imagining that he will, but he had the hamstring tweak in practice, uh, and so like there are some concerns about whether he he plays. Mm -hmm. So like, keep an eye on on Friday uh, in terms of practice with what happens there. You want a backup, Specs? Yeah, I guess. I guess in that case, then um, that still should be a one pointer. By the way, four point more projection for Kamara. It looks like on some reputable sources that I'm looking at. But either way, um, I'll say if, if Michael Thomas is out, then Traquan Smith outscores Kamara. Okay. All right. So I'll take whoever the wide receiver one is or presumptive wide receiver one, I guess, depending upon your worldview of Emmanuel Sanders. Next game up here, Detroit getting 26.5 implied points in a game with a 55-point over-under that has trickled down a little bit since it opened at half point uh, coming down on both sides. Atlanta, 28.5 implied points for them. And I guess I'm due to take the first one in this one. And I'm going to say Kenny Galladay a top three wide receiver play this week after kind of a middling chalk day last week. I think this is the spot he gets back on track. Peter, All right. 
I will I will match you, but I will say DJ Chark, top three wide receiver play on the week. He was started the season slow and then had a has had a really big past two games. Are you looking at last week's games? What do you mean? DJ Chark? Isn't it it's uh Detroit uh Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, what did I say? You said you said DJ Chark. So I assume you think it was Detroit. Oh, my bad. I I am still living <laughs> in the past. I am living in the past here. That's uh, why you're the comedy king. You keep us on our toes with those kind of jokes. Same thesis. Same thesis. Everyone's excited about Julio Jones after he's the one that popped off. We cannot forget about Calvin Ridley. He is going to be a top three wide receiver on the slate. See how I recovered? What a pivot. What a. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a, a correlated play. If uh, Calvin Ridley is in fact a uh, top three wide receiver on the slate, I think that means Matt Ryan is going to go off. And in the three games in which we've seen a healthy Julio, uh, Ryan really has gone off. So I'm going to say Matt Ryan, uh, 30 DK points. Wow, that's spicy. I like it. Matt Ryan always kind of underowned. It feels like when he does have those big days, and that's probably the case this week again. Very high over under in this game, so probably one to target. Uh, given even despite what Atlanta did last week, that was kind of a, a dead cat bounce from firing the coach. Next game up, Pittsburgh getting 24.5 implied points, Tennessee getting 26 implied points, game with a 50.5 over under. Matt, we're back to you going first. What do you want out of this game? All right, this is this is weak sauce. I'll just I'll go ahead and admit it, but uh, I'm going to take the over on uh, the 50 and a half that's out there. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is just uh, point goodness when it comes to this Tennessee offense and uh, in Tannehill's 15 starts with the Titans, the over is 13 and two, which like that is probably not sustainable, but like the market has just routinely undervalued this offense. And I think specifically Ryan Tannehill within it. So uh, even though it's a matchup between uh, you know, two teams that are pretty tough. And I think people kind of might be thinking of a, a defensive slugfest. Uh, 50 and a half, I think, is a number that uh, we can see go over here. Interesting. Yeah, and Pittsburgh's defense actually might be a, an interesting foil for Tannehill because they do blitz at a high level, and he's actually really good under pressure, which is something yeah. that we've talked about on here, a 111 QB rating under pressure, which you would not expect from the general. Pete, what about you? No, I'll kick it to you. I, I shouldn't get to always uh, go first here, okay. so I'll, I'll let you have this one. So then I, I guess I'll go to Tannehill then. I'm surprised to see these numbers, and I'll ride that enthusiasm from his pressure stats. And I'll say that he is a top three QB on the week here in a game with, uh, as Matt mentioned, maybe an over-under that's a little underappreciated. I like it. Uh, I'm going to do – I'm sitting here. I'm looking at projections. I'm looking at salary here. Derrick Henry costs – 3,300 more than Deontay Johnson on DraftKings. He's projecting for, it looks like, six more PPR points. I will say Deontay Johnson outscores the big dog this week. Oh, okay. So you got some conflicting takes with your Juju and your and your Deontay Johnsons. It's a, get a little exposure to everybody here. The classic tout move by Pete. Yeah, Friedman, you know how we do it. We just cover the roulette board and then we celebrate the ones that hit. I mean, I, I kind of like it though, you know, like you're just, uh, you're going all in on, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers just having a massive day. And then you and I have Chase Claypool in our dynasty team. So I have exactly. all the boxes covered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little COVID revenge game for Pittsburgh too, for moving the schedule around. So maybe that's a yes. fact here. One, one revenge narrative we didn't have to account for in previous seasons. Uh, next game up, we got Buffalo getting 28.5 implied points in a game with a 45 point over under. So a lot of love going to Buffalo. Expected to crush the Jets, who have a 16.5 point over under. And Pete, you can go first in this one. 
All right, so I I have an angle for this one, and I know it's a little bit marred if Michael Thomas doesn't go, but you know people are being like, this week we get Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Devontae Adams on the main slate for the first time all together this season. I think Stefan Diggs belongs in that conversation. So for this, I will say Stefan Diggs outscores all three of those guys this week. Okay, that's, that's suitably bold. I, I guess I'll take the next one off the board then. And I will say that this is a bounce back week for the Buffalo stack. So I'll go with Pete. I'll go in line with the same thought. But Josh Allen feeling the pressure, feeling that it's been his fault. There's no better way to get back on track than against the Jets defense that offers nothing. So I'll say the three-man stack of of Diggs plus you know John Brown. John Brown seems due for me. Those guys get over 40 fantasy points along with Josh Allen. I, uh, I'm on the same wavelength with Pete here, uh, but I'm I'm taking it a step further. And, and Pete, honestly, if if Diggs outscores all of those guys, you should basically just say he's the number one receiver on the slate. You know, so that's oh, where I'm right. going. Okay, that, yeah, go for it. You do it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's where I'm going. I, I have Diggs as the number one receiver on the slate. He's already matched up against the Jets before, uh, like, and he he did well in that matchup. Uh, Pierre Desir. Bless on Austin, Lamar Jackson, the other Lamar Jackson. <laughs> these are like the, the three perimeter cornerbacks uh, that the Jets have. And all of these guys are awful. And, and they don't even sound like real people based on their names. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's a situation where I think Diggs could totally smash. And especially if uh, I, I need to look at the, the practice reports on this a little bit more. But John Brown, like there's a chance he doesn't play. Uh, because of like the the lingering uh, injury that he's been dealing with, uh, and if that in fact is the case, uh, man, we really could see uh, Diggs go off. And his one game without Brown this year, uh, he saw 16 targets. Uh, not to say that's what what would happen again, but just the the target ceiling would be massive if Brown is out. So I I will go Diggs number one receiver on the slate. Oh, man. Now I need Brown to be in there. Otherwise, this bad. You guys are all going to be thriving. Yeah, Bags has been living in the uh, the spreadsheets. Hasn't been following all the injury reports this week. I worry about that come Sunday when I have to <laughs> adjust everything and, and be completely disappointed by who's not available. Next game up, we got Buffalo. Excuse me, Dallas getting twenty two point five implied points in a game with a forty six point over under. So the Dallas game's coming down a little bit in the eyes of Vegas. Washington getting twenty three point five implied points. Actually, a one point favorite at home for the football team. And uh, I guess, am I due to, I, I think I have to go first in this one, which I hate. Um, Andy Dalton bounce back day, I guess. Let's say that uh, he is a, a top five QB. Is that enough given that he's Andy Dalton? Yeah, that's a, that's a three pointer. All right, Matt, you can go ahead now and then take the scraps of this game. where There's not a lot to love. Uh, yeah. So after saying Diggs is the number one wide receiver, I, I feel like I need to cool off a little bit. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll just go for the, the layup here, the one pointer and say, uh, I'll take the under on 46 and a half and uh i think i i bet it at under 48 and a half uh on sunday night when lines opened uh or or maybe it's monday night but anyway uh i i took it higher than this so it's dropped i still like it here uh it's a situation where i don't think that dallas offense is going to do much and that washington defensive line is really good and it's going against a a dallas offensive line that is missing literally everybody at this point. Uh, and so I just think that the Washington defense will be good enough uh, to pressure Dalton, make him uncomfortable, get a lot of sacks. It will be harder for the Cowboys to sustain drives. And I think that they won't be able to keep up their end of the bargain to get this total to the over. So I will go under 46 and a half. 
All right, Pete, what do you got? All right, I'm going to be uh, philosophically on the other side of that. I wanted to take a layup too, and I was going to take Washington. Uh, looks like it's a pick em right now. I was going to take them home uh, in the pick em there, but it's way too fun to get out hot takes. And I've been trying to come up with a good angle. I think Terry McLaurin's going to have a massive week. He's underpriced in DFS. Yes. A lot of people yeah. are going to play him. How about this? How about Kyle Allen to Terry McLaurin? is the Millie Maker winning stack. They're both really cheap. It's going to allow you to, to get in a lot of other studs. This game could be a fast-paced game. And if Friedman's wrong on the under, maybe, just maybe, Kyle Allen to McLaurin wins someone a million dollars. One of our listeners' specs. I like that. I like that a lot. Got to keep the hot streak going. Matt, I don't know if you know this. Every single week, one of the person, the people winning the Millionaire Maker, always one of our listeners or viewers. It's unbelievable coincidence that you would never realize for a new show. That's, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, next game up here, Green Bay getting 30.3 implied points in a game with a 57 point over under, which I believe is the highest on the slate, even with the game switching around. Against Houston getting thir- uh, 26.8 implied points of their own. And uh, I think, Matt, we're back to you going first again. So you can take this one from this game that should be a, quite a shootout based on the Vegas totals. Okay, so uh, I, I guess I could have gone MVS with a, a massive game, but I, I teased that earlier, so I'll go another direction. I will say uh, David Johnson has his first 100-yard, uh, or we'll say 100-yard with a touchdown game, uh, his first one since week 11 of 2016. So he gets 100 yards rushing and a touchdown against the Packers in this game. Yeah, not a great run defense for Green Bay so far. And Pete, what about you in this one? I feel like I need to rein myself in. Maybe I'll just be the wet blanket here. I'll take the under on 57. It's a it's a pretty big number. Uh, I could see this game disappointing a little bit relative to the expectations. So I'll get a little gimme layup here. I will take Aaron Jones as the number one running back on the week. I think this is a really good chalk running back week. We talked about Kareem Hunt. We talked about Aaron Jones. Both guys are going to be really highly owned, but... Uh, Houston, not good against the pass, but giving up almost 180 rushing yards a game. Um, it's not a great number for them. And if Aaron Jones gets the ball, you know, that we always know he can do things. just a matter of whether that happens or not. So, of course, watch Jamal Williams have the big day. Uh, Tampa Bay getting 27.8 implied points in this next game against Vegas. And, again, this one has moved to the afternoon. It is a part of the main Sunday slate on all your sites, so make sure you're preparing for it if you haven't already. Um, in this game here, Pete, what do you want between the, uh, the Bucks and the Raiders? I know I feel I'm feeling so uh, naked on this one because, you know, I get my spreadsheet ready. You know, I pull in the salaries. I got some of my stuff. And uh, because I haven't had a chance yet to update it, I don't have my stuff. And sure, could I open another browser? I could, but I don't. This is my war room. This is my station. You know what? I but I want to keep I want to keep the dream alive for Ronald Jones. Okay, I want I don't care that Leonard Fournette is coming back. I'll say Ronald Jones clears 100 yards rushing again. I mean, Pete. How how spicy is that? I mean, when he's done it three times in a row already, I mean, like it's a one just, pointer. It's a one we, pointer. We should just expect it to happen because he's so good. You're gonna give us what are you going? You're gonna say 200 yards? No, no, that's that's a, that's a good one though. Uh, I'm going to go. This isn't that spicy now. I'm thinking about it, but uh, Darren Waller, number one tight end on the slate. Uh, he's just getting such fantastic target share. Uh, that even though he's going against a pretty tough defense, uh, I just think he will continue to uh, be fed tons of targets. So I'll go number one tight end on the slate for DraftKings. All right, and I guess for me, I will take uh, this feels this feels real flimsy, but I'll take Henry Ruggs in the Millionaire Maker winning lineup. I'll take my one shoot for the moon here. 
Uh, Ruggs not a not getting a lot of targets, but when he does get him, he makes him count. And they probably are going to be trailing in this one, I would think. So uh, maybe Ruggs I, gets I like that idea to be honest. And uh, Carlton Davis is a really good cornerback, but he's like a bigger kind of physical cornerback. And I honestly don't know how he's going to do against a speedy guy like Ruggs. Like he just he actually does not have the speed to keep up with him. So if Ruggs can get by him, even if it happens just a couple of times a game, uh, man, that that could be a long touchdown. So I could see it. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Pete doesn't even know who's going, who's going to defend Rugs. He doesn't even look at those. I thought you're going to say you don't even know who Rugs is. Uh, <laughs> He's going to be worried about Jacksonville. <laughs> What's going on with DJ Chark? I uh, I know who's guarding DJ Chark. No, I don't. I do not. <laughs> no, that's defense doesn't matter, Pete. That's where you are. We we know that. But for a while now, next game up here, we got Kansas City getting 28 implied points a game with a 46 point over under. Denver getting not a lot of love on the other side. 18 implied points for them, despite having Drew Locke back. Uh, Noah Fant, questionable for this one, could get back in there and upset the the staunch record of Albert Agui Boonham, right? Right, Pete? Is that it? I think you nailed it. Right. Is it Friedman, where are you? Albert Okui Boonham? Is is that it? I think I, so. I mean, I, I I don't know. Honestly, I think I've been pronouncing it wrong for months, <laughs> which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. I think I've been pronouncing it Okui Boonham, but uh, honestly, who knows? That sounds very dignified. Like if you're going to give it a pronunciation, give it a regal sounding presentation. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't even come close to it. So we should just uh, not even try. I think Albert O is sort of like the accepted uh, vernacular at this point. Uh, I just right, want to so let you guys know thing? real quick, like Twitter is having a meltdown right now in my feed. Apparently during the debate, Trump started singing at the same time that Daniel Jones had like an open field, untouched fumble and both occurred at the same time. And everyone was laughing and going, Oh my God, but it was to two different things at the same time. So I just wanted to pass that along to the people. Um, the, the sacrifices we make for doing live takes here or live pre-recorded <laughs> takes. <laughs> game. Um, where, where are we? I don't even know what game we're on. Now. I mean, can we just say like, uh, it feels like the nut low in 2020 to be watching Thursday night football, Eagles, uh, and giants, and also a presidential debate at the same time. Like, uh, people figure out something with your life. You, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be living differently. Um, so this Kansas city, Denver game, not a lot to love here, Matt, you have your, your pick of the litter from all the many options in this one. I'm going to go weak here. Uh, you know, just going for the one pointer. Uh, I think Kansas city covers the spread, uh, nine and a half at most books. And so we'll, we'll take it there. Um, I don't have really any respect for Denver, uh, not their offense, really not even their defense. Uh, and Andy Reed, I believe, is 15 and six on the road within division against the spread. Uh, and, uh, you know, just Patrick Mahomes going against this this Broncos defense uh, without its number one cornerback and A.J. Boye. I just I think he should light him up. All right, Pete, what about you in this one? I'm going to do another like cross team head to head. I'm going to say Tim Patrick outscores Travis Kelsey, which I think is a hot take. Ooh, that's oh. I think that's spicy. I like that one. Damn, I was I was gonna take Tim Patrick for something too. I was thinking over twenty, but maybe not. You now. can you can do over twenty. Now that you put your stank on him, I don't know that I want that. Now you've rubbed up all over Tim Patrick and claimed him for yourself. I'll take um how about a Demarcus Robinson outperforms Nicole Hardman? No, stop. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, Pete loves Nicole Hardman. I thought maybe there'd be some action from the house on this one, but I'll take that Robinson gets over 15 fantasy points. I think he's still reasonably priced. 
nice value play. I led the team in routes last week, which uh, Tyreek Hill was a little banged up, so that could be a bit of an aberration. But Watkins, I expected to play this week, so I think that's a good spot for for Robinson to keep it going. Real quick, Friedman, where where are you on the uh, on the Hardman thing? Is it is it just over? He's Tyreek Hill's direct backup, and it's just never going to happen unless Hill gets hurt. Not by low. That, that's where I am. I mean, okay. not not for this season, but for dynasty by low. Yeah. All right. All right. So there you go. A little peace of mind there for the Cole Hardman fans like Pete. Uh, just asking a question for himself, really. Asking <laughs> for a friend, myself. <laughs> uh, next game up, San Francisco getting 21.3 implied points in the game with a 44-point over-under. New England getting 22.8 implied points of their own. Things looking bad. And uh, honestly, in this game, I don't even know where to go. But I'll say George Kittle, the Belichick's always had the rep of taking away the favorite toy. But I'll say that Kittle is a top-performing tight end on the week. I just feel like he couldn't be stopped anyway by what New England has left. So that's my pick. Pete, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, people have been pretty excited about Debo Samuel. He's pretty cheap on DraftKings. He had like negative air yards this week, which was bizarre just how they're using him with all these screens and stuff, but they're manufacturing touches. I I honestly think Brandon Ayuk might even be a better talent than Debo. I will say Brandon Ayuk outscores Debo Samuel this week. Definitely looks more like a pass catcher than Debo. It's just like a big running back to use in those ways. But Matt, how about you in this game? Anything you like here on the either the Niners or the uh, Patriots side? Yeah, that's, I like Pete's. That's a, that's a good one. It's interesting, especially because Stefan Gilmore might be on Debo. It's hard to know which guy he'll cover, but that's that's an interesting one. I will go with, uh, I think this one's pretty spicy, uh, but I think you can see how we get there. Uh, Cam Newton, I'm saying he has uh, 100 rushing yards, and we'll go two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's going against a defensive line that is minus like all of the starters that they had last year. Uh and given how atrocious the uh, the Patriots were in passing the ball last week, I could just see McDaniels like really leaning into the run and just being like, you know what, we're not even going to try to throw the ball to Inkill Harry or one of our non-existent tight ends. Let's just run Cam basically every play. Uh, and so I, I could see him getting 100 yards here, plus Isn't the two it- touchdowns. Isn't it crazy how bad the pass catchers are that Friedman's projection, like while aggressive actually seems more plausible than if he said cam throws for two touchdowns, like that feels way less likely to me. Yeah. I mean, cam has a 35% market share of carries. That is unbelievable for a quarterback. Yeah. And all the guys that cam throws to like Edelman doesn't have a touchdown on the year. Bird doesn't have a touchdown. Izzo doesn't have a touchdown. The only guy who scored is Harry in terms of the, um, the pass catchers that are normally out there. So yeah, weak pass game here for New England. And it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad seeing Belichick flounder, right? <laughs> at least for me. I don't know. Next game up, Jacksonville getting 20.8 implied points at the game with a 49 point over under at the Chargers are getting 28.3 implied points. Bit of a Justin Herbert bump, it seems. And um, man, I, I don't know what I would love in this one. So I'll throw it to Matt first. What do you want to take? Okay, so I will say whether Keenan Allen does or doesn't play, and we'll kind of assume he does play, but uh, Mike Williams, 100 yards and two touchdowns. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Mike, Mike Williams, very due for that that monster day, whether Keenan Allen's out there or not. Pete, what about you? Yeah, so I love Kenny Galladay in this game. I- <laughs> Um, you know what? I wanted to be on Chark, but I'm just going to do it for the brand. Uh, he, you know, DJ Chark and Keelan Cole outscored him last week. I will say LaVisca Chenault leads the Jags wide receivers in fantasy points this week over Chark over Cole. 
It's got to happen one week, I think. <laughs> so I, the one thing that was interesting about it is like he, he only caught three of seven targets. He only had 10 yards, but he had his season high in snaps. So like the underlying usage is is pointing in the right direction. So hopefully, hopefully the explosion is coming. God knows I need it. You need to put your weekly Visca picks in like a wishing well, and then eventually it <laughs> might come true or a shooting star, perhaps whatever you can find. I'm going to take Justin Jackson this game being a top five running back. Is that enough? I feel like I'm actually seeing yeah. Kelly still projected higher than him in the site that I'm looking at. And I don't think that's plausible, but uh, Jackson, very cheap price, had 20 touches in that last game. He's questionable right now, but I think he I was going to say, Friedman, are you going to tell him or me? Yeah. No, I was just going to let that one go. I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'd mentioned stuff enough. <laughs> Everybody's hurt. I don't know. <laughs> you got to follow your heart. You have and a I'll fetish for the – you're an ambulance chaser is what you are, Spags. It is. It's true. I'm trying to sell them my legal goods and play them at the same time. But um, it always drives the ownership down. I feel like that's probably why these guys pop up for me a little bit more. Uh, next game up, the last one on this Sunday revised slate. This should be the Sunday night football game. So if you want to make a showdown pick for this one, guys, you can do that as well. Uh, Seattle getting 29.8 implied points in a game with a 56-point over-under. Arizona, who just won on Monday night, getting 26.3 implied points on their side. And Matt, we'll let you get this last one in here first. I mean, how spicy is it to say that Metcalf has like 100 yards and a touchdown? Like that's what he does almost every game. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll bump it up and say uh, DK Metcalf has 100 yards and two touchdowns. And nice matchups for him against Arizona. He's not defended anybody outside too well. Pete, how about you in this one? I want to real quick, what do you guys have for your Kenyon Drake fantasy point projection? I'm seeing him uh, at 13 and change right now. Okay. Let me let me look. Will you, Spags, give me three points for Kenyon Drake under 10 fantasy points? I mean, well, we didn't talk about his mom yet. That was we missed that segment, unfortunately, because of the late start. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like that's I feel like that's like a one pointer because he sucked for a while. But a one pointer would be under 13 points because that's his projection. And it's a 50 50. That's that's what. Yeah. It is. So that, that's why I'm saying I, I'll do that for one. I, but I I'm think that I think that's fair. Right, uh, Spags, you have it at 13 and a half. Uh, we have it at 13 and a half. I, I think that like three points minus three points or like minus three and a half, like go under 10. I think that's a three pointer. All right, I'll allow it because Matt said so. He's he is an oracle. I don't want to question any oracles. So that's always Matt. Can I call you in anytime Spags give me pushback on my scoring system? Uh, DM me, yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> get in line for the AMA and ask. <laughs> AMA, I just ask scoring, I make him being the judge of, of this uh segment. And uh, let's see, in this one, I'm trying to think who's going to be lower on the showdown because I do like my 10 point showdown captain calls that keep bailing me out against Pete every week. Um, I'll say, you know, Christian Kirk looking pretty tasty once again, depending on. I guess even if Hopkins is out, but if he's in, certainly going to open some more room for him. I'll take Christian Kirk, showdown captain after he, he just didn't get there on Monday night, which hurt me quite a bit. I, like yeah, I think that's a good call. Thank what you. Did, was Kirk the optimal captain until that Drake run? Yes, that was, that that was, so Pete and I texted about it because I was going to taunt Pete, Pete over Twitter because I was about to win the showdown play action, was feeling real good, and then Kenyon Drake broke the 75-yard touchdown. Uh, that put him in the captain and Christian Kirk unfortunately didn't get there at, at two percent ownership. But yeah, that was that was what it was, Pete. It was like I think a minute and forty-five seconds left, and then Drake broke the touchdown, and I was like, mother. That, that was such a suck out. Yeah. All right, so that's it for so we'll let Matt go now so we can go 
worry about his other stuff. We'll hit some more segments. Matt, give everybody the plug. Of course, you're the editor-in-chief at Fantasy Lasso, and a ton of great work at Matt F. The Oracle for all of your content and your daily AMAs that Pete will now be a part of to make sure to taunt me adequately. Matt, any plugs you want to hit on before we call it quits? Uh, no, I mean, I think you got it there. Just, you know, uh, check out the podcast, uh, the action network podcast, uh, check out, of course, the, uh, the app, the action network app that we have where you can uh, track your bets for free. You can see everything that I'm betting side totals, player props. Uh, so check that out. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me guys. A lot of fun. I had well, to bow out there for it. I had to bow out there for a second while <laughs> I, I just, I was like, are we just going to finish the show with that? Plugs are so offensive to me that I sometimes accidentally <laughs> click out of the browser window when they're happening. God, you can never shill. We have to support our guests and make sure that people have to really sell it on the way out. <laughs> did, did Friedman, did you say anything that I absolutely shouldn't have missed? No, no, no. I mean, it doesn't matter. How, have, yeah. Are you, have you gotten, like, I don't know, how do the Reddit AMAs work? Like the official ones where you like hold up a piece of paper so people know you're actually doing it on that day. I feel like you've earned the right to do an official Reddit AMA. I, I honestly don't know how it works. Uh, I haven't inquired into it at all. Uh, I have a longstanding feud uh, against Reddit. So like, I, I you know, I'm not going to say I'm never going to do a Reddit AMA, but that's not what I'm interested in. What's Wait, on the feud? Yeah, we got to know what this is. Okay, this is a long time ago from like the early Rotoviz days where uh, Frank DuPont, Fantasy Douche, was uh, just starting the site and was trying to gain traction by posting some things in Reddit. But like the Reddit overlords wouldn't let him do it because uh, Rotoviz was a paywalled site. Uh, and so there was like a lot of back and forth with the guys who were like actually running Reddit uh, about trying to, to post different things. And uh, so Frank just like hated them. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I've never like in his email threads, like half of it was just in the early days bashing Reddit and complaining <laughs> about the ridiculousness of the back and forth with them. Uh, and so just from that, uh, like longstanding feud based on nothing, uh, I'm, I'm not a Reddit fan. I love so you're that carrying story. somebody else's grudges. I respect that, <laughs> even though you know, Reddit a powerful place of a lot of angry people at their keyboards. That that is accurate. Yeah, which is another reason not to go there. I my fantasy advice is bad enough for Twitter. <laughs> uh, if I gave that same advice on Reddit, I would just be smoked. I actually went over to Reddit for the first time, fantasy Reddit, uh, in a while because someone at Levitan had made the comment that Mike Davis was like 90% CMC. And there was this whole thread where he just triggered people like, he's not as good as Christian McCaffrey, not even close. And like there were hundreds of comments. And I just love that I Levitan can, got I, can, I mean, as as unsophisticated as we think uh, like NFL Twitter or like fantasy Twitter might be, I'm just imagining that fantasy Reddit is, <laughs> is just so much worse. Yeah. Honestly, so, the yeah. sports one is a little bit less that because it's people who genuinely don't know what they're doing and they're going there with like open eyes. So I would say that's one Reddit I find to be, I don't know if it's positive. I don't know if there's any, I don't know if you could say that any Reddit's actually positive, but I think it's one that's like, you know, there are people trying to get smarter. I always admire that about Reddit. It's always people, whether they are smart or not, they're always trying to get smarter. Which If, if there smart. is, not to turn this into the Reddit pod, but if there <laughs> is one like Reddit that I would maybe be interested in, and I haven't like even looked at it, but I'm sure that this exists, it would be like, star wars reddit where like you could just get lost in that for like years 
uh, and probably learn a lot of useless information. Uh, and then you log off shortly before you die. But that might be an interesting way to spend like years of your life. Yeah, yeah. You go. Reddit, Reddit's good at the hive minding. Like if a movie comes out and you're like, I don't understand the ending, then you go to Reddit and Reddit, there'll be 20 people there. Uh, chimpanzee is at a, a typewriters and eventually they'll turn out Shakespeare. And figure <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for that. We appreciate it, man. All right. Good night. Peace. All right, go follow at Matt F. The Oracle. We'll do some of our little bits here, and then we'll call it quits, Pete. I feel I'm all I'm very flustered, by the way, from the lack of a mic, the doing the show in different orders. I feel like my poor brain is is hemorrhaging as we speak. Yeah, you're fine. You you don't have the tip top quality that you normally do, but uh, our listeners want to hear us in any way possible, even uh, without a mic. So you're good, man. Yeah, I, I'm glad we could get it going here. And we appreciate, of course, Matt uh, doing a lot of great work. Fantasy Labs and Action, uh, certainly a, a couple of sites that are doing a really great, great amount of work in the space and making it more mainstream and making people smarter, which I think is something we always aspire to here. And Pete, what do you want to hit on first here? we got a Thursday night, uh, Thursday night game going on. I feel like we haven't paid enough attention to have a great read, but I feel like Carson Wentz throwing it a little bit more accurately. Any takeaways for you here before we burn through the segment? Yeah, I, earlier I had mentioned Twitter blowing up. I did end up seeing the play. He didn't fumble, but he had a breakaway run. It was going to yeah. be like an 80-yard touchdown run and just fell over right before he was going to get in the end zone. So that was what I saw on my TV, and I thought he oh. did something else stupid. And I was like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> classic Daniel Jones. But, yeah, he just, like, got gassed and toppled over. <laughs> it was just like a walk-in touch. And, like, he's fast. Like, he had pulled yeah. away from people. He just, like – forgot how to run the last 10 feet <laughs> that's is that better or worse than the jets like constantly being associated now with the butt stuff thing where they got the butt interception the butt fumble everybody loves that like i would be more embarrassed by falling down while running for a touchdown personally i i think you're right i i agree i would be way more embarrassed by that but as far as like what has the potential to go viral like butt fumble like we don't if we have a nickname for this like danny trips or something like but it doesn't have quite the meme level that the butt fumble did. That's fair. I get it. Look, I've I, we got the Peloton coming next week, and I, before that, I was trying to run and do all that, and uh, I was definitely like Daniel Jones out there when it was like 90 <laughs> degrees in LA. I'm like, fuck, it's been one block. This is too much running around. Um, but yeah, Thursday Night Football looking like an interesting game. Not a high-scoring one with the NFC East, but uh, uh, this slap fight of division continues to go on, and Carson Wentz at least looking competent enough so far, it seems. Uh, we got to do numbers don't lie because we got to make sure to get this clip out on social. But numbers don't lie, a game we play. There are three interesting stats where Pete guesses which two are true and which one is fake. And uh, Pete, it's been a tough run with you in this game. Rich Rebar showed up and saw right through me last week in a way that, quite frankly, cut me deep into my core. <laughs> but how are you feeling about the game this week? Well, I'm starting to think maybe I should just randomly pick one and not actually try to think it through and fall for your crafty little traps. Yeah. I think if you were paying attention during this show, it should be obvious which one is the lie. But uh, well, I guess we'll find out right after this. And if you are still watching us on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe. It helps us out a bunch. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review because that helps us reach more people on there. And, uh, of course, Thursdays are podcast episodes. That's where <laughs> that's where the love goes. Uh, so we appreciate the podcast people extra on Thursdays. And on Sundays, we love YouTube people. That's just how it is. Uh, first stat up, Pete. Aaron Rodgers had a bad week six, but he's gotten a lot of love for his passing performance this year, and it may be a bit worse than it seems. 
Rodgers has a 111.3 QB rating, but only has a 37% accuracy on his league-high seven deep attempts per game. He's really struggled under pressure with 52% accuracy on a 60.2 QB rating. Uh, so, Pete, these numbers, we've kind of talked around a few of them in recent shows, but how does this sound to you? Yeah, this is a spag special. I can tell. I feel like it's just like one of these numbers. Like it's, oh, his QB rating is a 111.2, not 111.3. <laughs> no, like the QB rating and the accuracy on the deep targets, I could get that because, first of all, I don't think they've had a ton of like ever since Lazard went down, they haven't really been hitting as many, dare I say, splash plays. So I could kind of buy that. The under pressure though, like that is what I would conventional wisdom would say to me is that he has been like pretty accurate. Um, but I, both of these things, like quarterbacks aren't going to be as good when they're throwing deep and quarterbacks aren't going to be as good when they're under pressure. So I need, I don't have a baseline reference for like what league average is on that to know how bad it is. And that's why this is, this is some tricky shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make the lies more obvious. I think last week I just, I switched them up. So that was, you know, that was obvious if you're paying attention. I don't know, but the next stat up here, maybe this will help you help you out a little bit more. Justin Jackson saw a lot of work with Austin Eckler out last week as he picked up 20 touches. He's currently questionable and that may be for the best. His 2% avoided tackle rate is the worst mark in the league for a running back. Pete, does that sound right to you as a person who's believed in Josh Kelly for pretty much the whole year? Man, it doesn't seem right to me just because I had to admit, like as a Josh Kelly guy, that Justin Jackson looked really good. And like the the snaps I saw, I thought he looked pretty shifty. So this one is, this one, I'm my spidey senses are tingling here. Okay, so for all of them, your spidey senses are tingling, which is- They always <laughs> are. I can't trust you at all. That's true. That's true. For a partnership, we really is a lot of deception involved in our average show. Next stat up here that we can see if it's a lie or not. Marquise Brown has been a frequent disappointment for people who've rostered him this year, but it's not for lack of trying. His 2.7 deep targets per game are the second most in the league as he's still seen 111 air yards his way per game. I believe this one 100%. I know he's been tops in, in air yards. He continues to pop in the buy low model. Hasn't had that like blow up game, even though the usage is there. So this one, I firmly believe. All right. So which one's a lie? I, so the, the one that's, I guess, tricky about the Justin Jackson one, the avoided is he only has really this one game, right? So it's like, I could see the sample size being wonky there, but I just, he didn't, strike me as like a plotter who wasn't breaking tackles. So I'll say that's bullshit about Justin Jackson. You are correct. Justin Jackson actually second in the league amongst running backs who are actually playing uh, behind Antonio Gibson, uh, 26% avoided tackle rate for him. Uh, Gibson has 27%, which leads, uh, you know, there are some guys like Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, but those guys aren't getting full workload. So yeah, actually a top two guy in avoided tackles, which is why I think he's potentially a monster play this weekend. Yeah, no, yeah, I think outside of the injury stuff, um, he he looked way better than Joshua Kelly. Uh, so mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully he's healthy because basically what they did is they just slotted him into the Eckler role and Josh Kelly's role didn't really change. Whereas yeah. a lot of people just assumed, hey, maybe it'll be a 50-50, maybe it'll be a 60-40 Kelly. But um, Justin Jackson's looking good if he's healthy. And I think, too, people are going to start to go to Justin Herbert this week because if you go through his recent games, you're going to see amazing performances. I do think with football, you know, where the casual players are what drives a lot of the ownership, I think Justin Herbert might have being a little overowned, whereas, you know, Justin Jackson to me is going to be uh, a better Justin perhaps relative to ownership, but we'll find out 
after this weekend. And um, injuries that actually matter, I guess we should talk really fast. Joe Mixon missed his second practice with a foot injury, uh, but he was, according to one of the reports, dancing on the field as well. So I don't know what that means. Uh, your dancing foot is not the same as your running back foot. I think those are two different kinds of foot usage. But Pete, you've talked before about picking up Giovanni Bernard as a, a just-in-case Mixon is broken. And uh, do you have any concern for Mixon getting in there after he missed two straight practices? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, Mixon doesn't fall into the category of like the Julio Jones where he just regularly gets the maintenance days off. So it is a little concerning. Uh, and yeah, I, I think, did I, didn't I draft Geo in our waiver wire draft yeah, on Sunday? Did. For yeah. this very reason, yeah. For this very reason. Yeah, and I, I did pick him up in a couple of leagues too, especially after seeing this. So yeah, I mean, we really know that the Friday ones are kind of the the ones that tell us the most um, about where they're actually trending. So my guess would be he gets in a limited practice tomorrow uh, and then is questionable for the game. But if he misses tomorrow as well, I mean, or if you're listening to this on Friday, if he misses today, yeah. I, I mean, Gio, you must pick him up in your league. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good running back week, whether Mixon is in there or not, I think. And uh, I think Gio being a potentially nice little value play if Mixon is out uh, could be an interesting situation. Another injury that could matter, DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice again with the ankle, but he is one of those guys, like Pete mentioned, who could be getting a bit of maintenance here. But any concern for DeAndre Hopkins, I, I feel like this is one I think he'll be okay, but it does have some ramifications if he doesn't make it out. Yeah, and it's it's hard, too, for you know DFS. That game's now the late game. Yeah. Uh you know, DeAndre Hopkins is the kind of guy that is going to gut it out, and I think he'll play, and he'll still probably be effective. It does, like, bum me out because I'm so excited about that game from a DFS perspective, and I believe you have to pay 8200 for him on DraftKings. Yeah. So that's pretty pricey to pay for a guy if you have some injury concerns about him. So hopefully we get some more clarity and that this is uh, not a huge issue. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on, as these injuries always are. And Sammy Watkins, it looks like he's trending towards still being out. And uh, I put in the note sheet here, uh, should we try Pete's guy, McCole Hardman, again, or does the Marcus Robinson see more routes? And it's worth noting, as I talked about earlier with uh, Matt and Pete, uh, that he did run 40, uh, 34 routes, rather, than Marcus Robinson did, to McCole's 13, which uh, kind of a surprise, Pete. I know you were big on McCole, and you continue to be frustrated here, but uh, would you be willing to go to Marcus again? Yeah, well, I think the thing that we have now realized, and it's just become very clear, and it was a little uncertain because also Nicole Hardman, I believe it, he had two weeks in a row where he had touchdowns, and you just naturally assume like, hey, these guys who are playmakers who score, let's let's get them more touches. Sammy goes down, ergo, you know, Nicole Hardman gets a bump. No, that is not the case. And I've seen a lot of other smart people uh, write about this and that. Basically how it is, is Demarcus Robinson is Sammy Watkins' direct backup. When he goes out, he fills in for him, whereas Michael Hardman is Tyreek Hill's direct backup. And then they're just working in Hardman randomly into like four wide receiver sets and stuff. So if Tyreek Hill ever went out, I would be ready to push the chips in on Michael Hardman. And someone had made a comment to me on my YouTube channel about this of like, it made sense because they drafted Michael Hardman when there was all that uncertainty about the Tyreek Hill suspension. And they were trying to cover their ass of wanting this kind of element in their offense. So when you really think about it through that lens, it makes a lot of sense. It's still frustrating because Michael Hardman's such a talented dude, but yeah, it's uh he's going to be way too volatile until we see a Tyreek injury. It's one of those things that I feel like people in NBA DFS have figured out a bit more where it's like, oh, if this point guard doesn't start and his backup is a guy who's low usage, like it's probably not somebody you want to play. Um, but, you know, if there's a guy who's coming in behind him and the roles kind of match up, 
I think NBA, it's a little more obvious with that, but I agree. I think that is the way that I would view it too. And why I had a good amount of Demarcus Robinson in that Monday millionaire maker didn't end up working out, but uh, he was the better play. Actually, so is Byron Pringle. They both are better plays than Nicole, which uh, kind of a downer if you are a Nicole Hardman believer, but good point by Pete. Um, I think we covered most of the stuff. I feel like, you know, the injury thing, uh, do we care to talk about the Kenyon Drake thing? It's basically, uh, guys, the same bit as our grandma boys bit. <laughs> so I feel like that's what it was going to be. But funny tweet, I guess, if we want to read it out loud. Yeah, so as Kenyon Drake said, his mom called before the Cowboys game and asked if he was going to hit the holes instead of running horizontal. It hit home when your own mom is not liking what she sees out there. And I also love, too, like, both of these takes from T.Y. Hilton's grandma and Kenyon Drake's mom show, like, a level of understanding about football that's just beyond like, oh, you didn't do good. Like, no, we're like, they're like, oh yeah, you're not getting separation from the defensive back out there. It's like, holy cow, Grandma Hilton. Uh, so yeah, I love the level of specificity here. Yeah, Kenyon Drake's mom just wants him to hit the hole, trust his blockers. I think all the, let a play develop is what she told him first and foremost. But uh, if it there, worked, he looked amazing. There's also like another funny uh, joke here that's unintentional. And it actually, our, our guest last week, Rich Reeves had cor uh, coined this, but you know, it's the, the air raid offense is what Cliff was running there. A very vertical offense, like that touchdown you saw from Christian Kirk, just running a nine route. That's like the air raid, but he's had such a low average depth of target the past um, years overall that Reeves started calling it the horizontal raid. So I was also laughing, listening to Kenyon Drake's mom say he's running horizontal. Cause I'm like, that's all this team does. They're, they're want to be the air raid and they're the horizontal raid. Were you happy with Kirk? Did, did you play, you, you played the Monday slate, right? Did you get enough Kirk in there? Cause yep. I, I, he was actually one guy I bought in on and as that happened, I was like, Pete must be smiling down. I like you were dead. Like Pete must be smiling down from heaven right now. Watching Christian Kirk go off. No, I was kind of in the same boat as you. I had a lot of Kirk, but like not a ton of Drake. And so I was just yeah. kind of buried. Um, but yeah, the thing is, it's it's like I want to be excited. He's still not seeing a ton of volume. Um, he's he's running a lot of routes, but Hopkins and then and then Kyler running a ton is really kind of dominating the offense. So I think he's gonna be a little volatile, the big plays, and you're just kind of hoping for good game environments. That said. This game against the Seahawks is going to be one of the best possible game environments. So he could definitely have an encore. Yeah, you know how many passing yards per game Seattle's given up so far? Well, it's it's got to be like five hundred. It's three seventy point four, which is oh, still I guess an that's unbelievable amount. Yeah, like they're basically giving up the three hundred yard bonus plus another seventy yards every single week. Yeah, like in my mind, the two main teams I want to target in DFS is the Cowboys and the Seahawks because their defense is bad and their offenses can score quick and that can just lead to these massive shootout games. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this Seahawks Cardinals game. It could be a week. The Arizona passing game also pays off a bit more. Um, I, I definitely will have some Kyler full stacks. Um, you know, get your Kyler with one receiver, get him with two receivers, try some different configurations because this game could be one of the, one of these spicier ones in the week. Pete, anything you want to hit on here before we call it quits? Cause I think we got everything we felt like we needed to coming in. Yeah, no, we mentioned it. The uh, the schedule got flipped around. They have included that Raiders-Tampa Bay game. And then the only other thing about that is there was the note about the league or the Raiders sent home their entire offensive line um, mm -hmm. trying to be cautious about COVID stuff. I think we're still waiting to hear how those tests shake out. Obviously, if those turn out positive and the Raiders lose their entire <laughs> offensive line, I mean, that's just an absolute disaster for them. That will not bode well for the Henry Ruggs pick. <laughs> no. 
It's going to yeah. be back to cat and check down Derek Carr real fast. <laughs> Think of that line. Is, you imagine losing your whole offensive line? That's so bad. It also, yeah, like if you're Derek Carr and you're just like, shit, like I'm so screwed right now. <laughs> the run for my life this week. But uh, here's hoping Derek Carr and his linemen turn out okay. We appreciate all you guys watching. Leave a comment down below if you're new around here. We want to hear all of you guys talking. Had some new people popping in with some kind words. So uh, thank you guys for anybody who does say a nice thing. We appreciate that. But hey, if you got questions to tweet us, I, or leave them in the comments. I'll leave them in the comments. We're more inclined to, to reply to your questions, to do an AMA in the YouTube comments. So drop your comments down below. Hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want on there. And on Apple Podcasts in particular, give us five stars and a review. That's what we need to keep this shit moving. And follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Fags. Pete, final words before we call it quits on this beautiful Thursday. Enjoy a Sunday night football main slate game. I can't wait. All right. Hey, we'll all be with it and we'll all enjoy on Sunday. So enjoy guys and see you.